Well, good morning, Redemption Church. As you just heard, we are continuing our series through the book of Psalms in Psalm 23. So I don't know about you, but I've been doing a lot of studying up on sheep this week. Uh, excited to walk through that with you. For many of you, it might have been a little bit more study on horses, uh, derby fans out there. But I'm excited to unpack the beauty that's in this psalm. And luckily, there have been people who have spent a lot more time around sheep than I have that we can glean from and learn as we walk through this text. And so a couple different things that I learned about sheep this week. All right. One, they are a stubborn, fearful, timid, but also sometimes overly confident and one word was just dumb, dumb animal, okay? Second thing that I learned, we get compared to sheep a lot in the Bible. And so as David is writing this psalm, he's in the later years of his reign, and he's kind of reflecting back over his life story of God's presence, and he's reflecting back over his own journey of being a shepherd. And so what he's doing in this psalm is that he's taking off his shepherd role stepping into the role of a sheep and asking himself the question, what would it be like to be a sheep in the Lord's care? And so what he's going to do as we walk through this psalm is that David is walking through the year's time of a shepherd with the sheep. He's giving you an overview of what a year would look like. And so then the winter or in the beginning of spring, the sheep would be at their home ranch, okay? So that's where things are comfortable. That's where they know and, and they feel things are more predictable. But what they would do is as the summer months approached, they wanted to get to the highlands, what was called the mesa. And the reason why they wanted to get to the mesa is because that was that the higher the ground, the better grazing it was for the sheep. The grass was greener. There's more luscious for them to graze upon, but in order for them to get to these higher plateaus called the mesa, they had to go by way of the valley. So David is slowly walking us through that journey from the home ranch to the mesa. And so there's, there's one big question that I think all of this falls under, and the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, what would it look like if we lived ever aware of the Lord's presence in our life? And I think it would change the way we, we see our life, and I think it would change three different things. It would change the way we see our confidence, our fear, and our hope. So the first one, it changed the way we look at our confidence. Let's read verses one through three one more time. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me Besides still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so it starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The quality of life that sheep experience depend completely on the quality of shepherd that's leading them. And so if they were either full or starving, healthy or sick, it was due to the shepherd's care in their life. And so if you were wondering if this sheep would flourish, you wouldn't ask anything about the sheep. You'd ask about the shepherd. Does this shepherd have the qualifications to lead these sheep? 
the Lord is the one who stands as a shepherd over your life, does he have the qualifications worthy to be your shepherd? The Lord is concerned about you. The Lord delights in you. The Lord cares for you. And the rest of this psalm is going to unpack what does it look like to be under the Lord's care. But we have to start there. Because if that second word is anything else, the rest of this psalm falls flat. Like if it's a career, if it's your own self-will that's guiding you, None of the rest of this psalm applies because no one else can provide this kind of care for you. So the next line is, I shall not want. It's saying, there is nothing that I lack. When the shepherd rolled up on the scene, all was well for the sheep. I lack nothing. Is that how you feel right now? Because I don't know about you, I I feel like there's times in my life where I just walk around with these like lack lenses on. Do you guys have these? It's where I walk around and I see the world through all the things that I lack. Okay, so I I might look out and be like, oh wow, that house is bigger than mine. That vacation looks amazing. That pellet smoker that my neighbor has would be amazing to have, right? Now, luckily, vehicles don't get much better than a minivan, so I don't have to struggle there. But a lot of different things out there that we lack. Maybe it's not a thing, though. Maybe it's a question unanswered. Maybe it's an uncertain future moment, and we fix our eyes on all the things that we lack, that we keep them off the greatest thing that we have that reminds us we lack nothing. Christians, more than anyone else in the world, should display a radical contentment because the one who is on the throne is the one in charge of caring for you. Where in your life are you searching for contentment and need to remember that you already have that because the Lord is with you? So the role of a shepherd was a tiring role. Like there's a lot of work As some of you are working on your lawns right now, there's a lot of work to make the pastures green. And if you don't know where David was at in Palestine when he was a shepherd, okay, it wasn't naturally green grass. So he had to put hours and hours and sweat and tears into this grass to make it something he was proud that his sheep could graze in. But there was another difficulty in David being a shepherd, and that was the sheep he had to deal with. Notice it says he makes them lie down in green pastures. Sheep refuse to lie down unless every fear is wiped away from their life. Like the fear of friction with other sheep. The fear of if there's going to be enough food. And this one I think we can all resonate with, a fear of flies and mosquitoes, okay? So until all fears and all worries were gone, they refused to lie down. Doesn't sound like us at all. A fearful inability to rest cloaked in a guise of busyness. So they refused to lie down, but they were also curious of what else was out there. Some of these sheep, the shepherd would kind of claim or name fence crawlers. 
So what these sheep would do is that they'd kind of wander off to the fence line, they'd look out, and even though they had the greenest pasture right there, they looked out and said, what, el what else is beyond the fence? They'd find a little gap in the fence and they'd kind of burrow their head to get to the other side so that they could start grazing on the barren land. Or they'd also go searching for sources of water. A lot of times, because of their uh, lack of knowledge of water, you know, they would start drinking water that was polluted. Maybe they'd get sick or parasites. And so their own search for refreshment instead brought about harm. And so these sheep would look to the fence that was meant to keep them in the good pasture, and they would ask, what am I being restricted from? What good is my shepherd keeping me from by fencing me in? We as well have hearts that are so prone to wander. Though we have the greenest pastures of God's word, and though we have the refreshing streams of his way of life, we constantly are chasing after what else is out there beyond the fence. Where in your life are you tempted to believe God is withholding good from you? So the shepherd had to make them lie down, and he had to lead them beside still waters, but what happened when they did wander off? Okay, so in their wandering, sheep would kind of just slowly meander away from the flock, and they might find themselves in one of the most terrifying positions for a sheep to be in, to be a cast-down sheep or a cast sheep. And I have a picture of what that looks like. All right, falling and can't get up, right? So the sheep would fall on its back, Feet just in the air, right, with no ability to get up, completely helpless. And what would begin to happen in this moment is that gases would begin to fill up in their bodies. Blood circulation would be cut off. If they were out in the sun, they'd be dead in hours. And they also become the easiest target for predators. Predator just sees four, four feet kind of up in the air, went after him. And so if there was ever a moment that a shepherd saw their sheep in this cast position, he was on high alert. And David knew this, and it kind of speaks into one of his psalms where he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? I feel helpless. I feel afraid. And so the shepherd would look at the rest of the sheep, make sure they were okay, and then would take off sprinting for the sheep, looking across the prairie for the feet in the air for him to find that sheep because he knew that every minute mattered. And how would the shepherd respond when he got to the sheep that wandered away from his leadership? He would tenderly turn the sheep over so that the gases could slowly be released. He would even pick up the sheep and begin to rub its arms and legs so that the blood could start circulating again throughout the body. He would patiently stand with and maybe joke with his sheep as it regained its balance and ability to walk, and he would lead that sheep back to the flock to restore it. 
what a reminder for us that even in your wandering that is of your choice, you do not have a God who scowls at you, but one who chases you down in your helpless state to restore your soul. And that might be where some of you are at right now. You feel incredibly distant from God. You're feeling like you've wandered off too far this time. And what I want to point out is if those are the thoughts you're having, the focus is completely on you. But what we learn in this psalm is that our confidence is not in any way how amazing we are as sheep, but how amazing our shepherd is for us. You have a shepherd who is willing to chase you down in love despite your wandering. But this passage shows us that this confidence is taken even a step further where it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd would be aware of how well he was, his sheep were doing would carry on a legacy of his name. That it would be his legacy that would go out throughout the years And so God, as our shepherd, wants to provide us those comfortable green pastures. He wants to restore us when we wander, but he also wants to make us holy. He wants to lead us in paths of righteousness because he knows that when he does that, when holy obedience is brought through us, it has ripple effects that show off his glorious grace to the world around us. God displaying his glorious grace is something that cannot be stopped, and he plans to do it through us as his sheep. Our confidence is in the fact that the Lord is the one we get to call our shepherd. He's the one caring for you. But then would come the time of year leading to the summer months where they were heading up to the mesa, and they had to go by way of the valley. And so understanding God's presence in our life changes the way we see fear. That's our second point. And as we transition into this text, I want you to notice something that happens in this transition. David stops saying and using the language, the Lord, and he transitions to you. It becomes more intimate. I think for you, in the valid seasons that you have experienced, you've noticed that God became more intimate to you. You clung to him a little bit more than you did before. You were planting your streams, or your, your roots by the streams of living water. A little bit more. So the text says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right away when I read this, one of the words I don't like is the word walk. Because I think a lot of us, when we go through difficult seasons, we feel like we're going so slow and we're just like, God, can you get me out of the season? Like, can we pick it up to a swift jog maybe? Like, can we move on with this thing? But it's a walk. And the shepherd would then walk the sheep to the valley where they were leaving the home ranch and the comfort and the predictability of what they knew and heading off to the place where it was just them, their shepherd, and the terrors of the valley. 
And so what was so terrifying of the valley for the sheep? Well, as they entered into the valley, there'd be cliff faces that would go up on either side of them. So that blocks out the sun and makes it a little more dim and a little bit more cold. The ground was a little more slippery because of the waters that were crashing by, making it more difficult for them to walk. The predators had an easy target of this, like, aisle of sheep walking through the valley. And there's also something, as it transitioned from spring, uh, from winter to spring, that I think we can all resonate with, uh, maybe unsuspecting snowstorm, okay? And so this storm might come through and cause, like, rock slides or avalanches to come storming through the valley. And so you hear all these things, and you're like, why would the shepherd go through the valley then? And I think for us, in our difficult seasons of life, we often question, what's the point? Where is the purpose of us walking through this valley? Well, there's something that the shepherd knew that the sheep didn't. What the shepherd knew is that the, the valley provided the calmest slopes for the sheep to walk up to the mesa. The valley had the the most accessible and greenest grass on the way to the mesa. The valley provided the most pure streams from the river rushing through the valley that they could have a drink of water whenever they needed. And a lot of times we can be quick to question the valleys in our life and not even noticing how we became more of a person of prayer than we were before. Resting in Jesus a little bit more than we were before. And so one thing that might be true about the valley, the valley is that it might lack comfort. It might lack predictability. But something the valley will never lack is purpose. But what David says next is astounding. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, so it feels like death is chasing him down right on his heels, even though he's walking through that kind of valley, I will fear no evil. How? For you are with me. Even in the midst of all the risks that the sheep were facing, what they didn't need to know is that the grounds were completely free of predators. What they didn't need to have was a confidence in the forecast being clear. All the sheep needed to do to have fear leave them was look up and see their shepherd was with them the whole time. And in difficult seasons, something I like to ask myself is what needs to happen in order for fear to be gone? And there might be this list, like this circumstance needs to change. This person needs to do that. This question needs to be answered in order for fear to be gone. But where those things might be helpful, the psalm draws us back that the only thing we truly need is to look up and see our shepherd is right there with us every step of the way. In that moment, you primarily do not need answers. You need truth, that God is with you. And it's in those valid seasons that that I've walked through, that I've learned. It's, it's not like this answered question or this elaborate explanation that I need. I need the simple truths of God to sink a little bit deeper. God is with me. God hears my cry. God is still God. 
And as I was preparing this, there's a group of people that came to my mind. Because I know that today we are a week out from celebrating a holiday that we need to celebrate, all right? For the moms in the room, you need to be champion, okay? The faithfulness that you put forth, taking part in the great commission of raising up disciples in a way that is never noticed or rightly appreciated needs to be celebrated. But I also know that around this time of year can be a state of silent grieving for some. Whether it be due to loss or not being able to have kids right now, feeling alone in your grieving, and in that moment you need to hear God is with you. He hears your cry. He knows your pain. Because when we notice his presence with us, instead of wrestling with fear, we can begin to feel his comforting hand. So David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, so the rod and the staff were two kind of tools in the arsenal of a shepherd that he always had with him. It almost symbolizes like the tough love and tender love of God as we look at the rod and the staff. And so the staff kind of symbolizes this, this delicate, tender love that God has. And so the way a shepherd would use the staff that was designed perfectly and only for sheep, would maybe be he would pick up a baby to bring it back to its mother so that his hands wouldn't touch it and the mom wouldn't neglect the baby. Or the staff would be used if he saw a sheep that was kind of wandering and seemingly distant from him to maybe just gently prod that sheep to get a little bit closer. I think we have those moments where we feel God's gentle guidance for us to be drawn into his intimacy a little bit more. So his staff was a comfort. But I think a lot of images that I saw about shepherds this week looked a little bit like this one that I have here, okay? Um, Something like this. And not one of them has the rod. And it's interesting because that's a huge myth because the rod was an amazing tool that the shepherd had in order to bring comfort to the sheep. So one way that the rod would be used in this kind of form of more tough love is that the sheep would pass what was called under the rod. And so as they walked under the rod, the shepherd would hold the rod out, run it across the wool to see if there was any like thing that would cause harm any sickness in that sheep, searching the depths of it. Like we just sang that song, search me, prune me, like David crying out, Lord, search the depths of me. But the rod was also meant to be thrown, okay? So shepherds growing up, they would find their their own rod and they would actually go out and practice trying to get faster, more accurate with the rod. And the reason it would be thrown is if the shepherd ever saw the sheep wandering off to eat some poisonous berries, because if they saw it, they'd eat it, or wandering off and he caught them earlier on, the shepherd would take this rod and huck it, just smack, drill the sheep, down go sheep, right? But the shepherd didn't want the sheep to experience a greater pain that it was going after. 
And I think this picture gives us a little bit of a better picture of God's discipline in our life. A lot of times when we experience God's discipline, we think it's his frustration trying to push us away from him rather than his love drawing us back in. A momentary pain to keep us from the greater pain that we were chasing after. His rod and his staff are a comfort because they both draw us back over and over to the reality that God is with you. God's presence in the valley causes our fear to flee and comfort to come back in its place. And where we thought we lost comfort in the valley, it was really just the lesser comforts of this world that we lost. Because the comfort of Christ will always be with you. God's presence changes the way we see our confidence, it changes the way we see our fear, and it also changes the way we see our hope. The verse says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So now the sheep are being led through the valley and they're getting to the point where they're going to be heading up to the mesa. And again, the, the mesa was where it was this plateau where it's the greenest and most luscious grass the sheep were heading towards. And the word mesa translates in our language to table. So the shepherd would lead the sheep up to the table, but before he led them there, he had to prepare it. And so the shepherd would go up on his own to the table, and he would look throughout the grass for any sort of poisonous weed and handpick every single one of them. Because again, the sheep saw it, they'd eat it. He would look around for any evidence of predators that he could hunt down and make sure they would not have anything to do with his sheep grazing at the table. Okay, but what about the oil? You know, we read the psalm and we love all the words, but we get to the oil part and we're like, I don't really know what that means. Let's keep going. Okay? Well, something that was a huge threat to the sheep in the summertime, again, were the flies. Okay, so there's bot flies, warble flies, heel flies, deer flies, all kinds of flies. But the worst was the nose fly. This gets a little gross, but bear with me. What the nose fly would do is that the nose fly would circle around the sheep's head, looking for any opportunity to fly into the nostril to where they would plant eggs, and these eggs would hatch. I won't color that in anymore, but there's, there'd be these creatures in the head of these sheep, causing irritation and inflammation. And the sheep would go around hitting their head on anything around them to relieve the pain. And the shepherd knew this. And so what the shepherd would do is that he would lather their wool and oil with a special emphasis on the head of the sheep to protect them from the flies irritating them. The shepherd would make every preparation necessary for the sheep to freely graze. And for those of you in Christ, what I want you to know is that the preparations have already been made for you. I think it's fitting that this psalm follows Psalm 22 that quotes our good shepherd on the, that our good shepherd quotes from the cross that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalm of the cross 
Because what we're reminded of is that Jesus didn't come to dwell comfortably in the green pastures, but to go to the barren grounds of the cross. That he didn't come to walk by still waters and to drink from that, but to drink the full cup of God's wrath on your behalf. That Jesus alone walked up the valleyed hill of Calvary, becoming our good shepherd, taking the place as a lamb that was slain in order that you could graze in the green pastures of God's grace. And then he sent his spirit to be like this balm to your soul that we need to be refreshing over and over and over so that we can dwell in the peace that he has called us to. We have so much reason for hope with the Lord as our shepherd. And here's further reason from John 10, 27 through 28. He said, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. How comforting is that? Jesus never loses any of his sheep. We're reminded that our confidence and our hope is on the strength of his hand holding onto your life, not your hand holding onto his. With that hope in mind, how does it change the way that you look to your future? And as we, we talk about this, I want to brief, briefly speak to anxiety a little bit, because I think anxiety can be one of the biggest threats to us remembering our hope. And I'm talking about, let me just specify, like unhealthy anxiety. There's times where it's helpful, times that it's really not. And what we are tempted to do with anxiety is we, we look to the future and we create a world that doesn't exist yet. And in that world, it's usually a worst case scenario and it's also a world where God does not exist. And we begin to live as if that world is true today. But this passage gives you a different way to look into your future. Because I don't know what your future will hold. I don't know what's in store for you. I don't know what type of valleys you will be going through. But there's one thing I'm certain of for each and every one of you in Christ. Is that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, what will be chasing you down what will be on your heels is the goodness and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see is that we can dwell in certainty of that. And the only end for every one of you in Christ is that you are going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's this imagery of dwelling in God's house that puts a spotlight on one specific word for me in the section on the valley. And that's the word through. Because the valley is not a place where you stay. The valley is not a place where you're settling down roots. No, the valley is a place that you're walking through to get to the house that you will dwell in forever. Even the darkest valley of death. It's this imagery that, call, that caused Charles Spurgeon to say that the valley is just the front porch that we walk through to get to the house of the Lord forever. For the Christian, the best is yet to come. 
where unhealthy anxiety paints a picture of a future that doesn't exist, Psalm 23 paints a picture for you that is certain. God's presence in your life changes the way you see the hope that you have in him, but I think it also changes the way we see our hope for the city around us. Okay, I'm gonna give you my last fact on sheep. Um, Hopefully you got your daily dose. Um, Here's what sheep were kind of called in ancient literature. In ancient literature, sheep would regard, be regarded as those with the golden hooves. And the reason why they'd be called that is because everywhere that they grazed, when they were led by a good shepherd, everywhere that they grazed, everywhere that they ate from, the ground became enhanced by them grazing there. The grass would become greener, become more luscious. People would look on this land and be aware that there must be a good shepherd leading them because this grass looks amazing. One thing that we have said as a church ever since the beginning is that we want to be the type of church that if our church ever chooses to close its doors, the city would feel the impact of that. And I think as I was reflecting on this, it brought me back to the summer that this church was planted when I was just coming up for a work trip. And I was standing on Dave Hunting's balcony in the eighth floor of a downtown high rise. And we were just looking out over the city, joining in with the prayers of many, just praying, God, what would you have in store through this church? And right now, I look out and I see just such an evidence of God's kindness that we got to be, we get to be witnesses to what he is continuing to do here. Like we had 52 people being baptized in this room a couple weeks ago. It's amazing. And I think as I look forward, what I know is that the shepherd's still going to be with you. Goodness and mercy is still going to be chasing you down, and it's going to be rubbing off you to the city around you, making the Twin Cities a better place because you are here, because God is your shepherd. And my heart is that we would continue to pray, that we would continue to ask God, help us to live ever aware of your presence. Help more people to be drawn into your flock, to your fold, so that they could hear you say these words. Jesus saying the words, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down the sheep. Let's pray. Jesus, we are just thankful that you chose to be a shepherd to such broken, self-confident, flawed people like me and everyone else in this room. Lord, that you saw us in our wandering and you didn't leave us there, but you chased us down in order to restore us. Jesus, you chose to take the cup of God's wrath so we didn't have to. You chose to go to the cross so we could dwell in your pastures. And God, I pray that we would take our eyes off of how we're doing as sheep and we'd fix our eyes on how amazing you are as a shepherd. God, help us be a little bit more, of your pres- more aware of your presence today than we were yesterday and tomorrow than we are today. 
Help us to follow your lead, trusting that you have what is good for us. And God, would we pray big things for this city as we look for what you want to do next. And I love what Drew said last week that we might be waiting for a building, but we're not waiting for a church because God, you are a shepherd right now. And so Jesus, would you lead us or help us be aware of your leadership over our, over our life? And would we worship you because you're worthy of worship? It's in your name we pray, amen.